We uh, finished the book of Hebrews, and uh, what a journey that was. So much good foundation for us as a church going through the book of Hebrews. Just the, the message throughout the book. of Ephesus, they were known for their worship of Artemis, Greek Ephesian goddess. She was a huntress and known for her fertility. During the time that they had, during the time, which would be in 60 AD during this time, Ephesus would have large festivals big festivals, and people would come from all over the region to come and worship this goddess of fertility. And it would be also a, a time of, of matchmaker where, you know, the women and men would come together to arrange marriages. So because of this, there was a lot of economical growth. Now, during this time in Ephesus, which is also known as Today, it would be modern-day Turkey. It was home to one of the seventh ancient wonders of the world. They had prosperity. Now, this wonder was the temple of Artemis. Huge structure, considered one of the seventh ancient wonders of the world. Now, Ephesus, because of this, because they had uh, the goddess uh, of fertility, because they had these festivals. Uh, not only that, Ephesus was also the center route for trade. So they had, you know, a lot of people coming into the land, bringing their trade, being, bringing their goods. It was a, a city that was well-developed. History would tell us that Ephesus, during that time, had one of the largest libraries had, uh, you know, these large areas uh, for bathing and it had a lot of uh, amenities for the people there. It was very well established and people in Ephesus came and it was known as a, a, a city to be in. Now, I don't know if you've done your homework, but San Diego is considered one of the cities to live in in the United States. As far as maybe a couple of, you know, we're like the top four in America, right? So you can imagine Ephesus was one of those places during that time of Paul, a place where you wanted to be. It was the it place. Now, Paul had evangelized Ephesus, that city, for two years. During that time, the church of Ephesus began to increase to the point where a riot broke out in the city. 
The gospel was being preached in that city. People were being converted to Christ, and there was a problem. You, if you want to read this story for yourself, it's found in Acts chapter 19. If you were taking notes and you want to, you know, look at that story. But basically, Paul is preaching. People are getting saved. The church is growing to the point where the people started realizing something. People are being converted to Christ, and they're not, they're not worshiping this goddess anymore. We're, we're losing sales. We're, we're not, we're, we're, you know, our, our businesses are going down because, see, we're selling all these, these, these idols. And we're selling these, these, uh, these uh, mystical rocks that have the power of the goddess, and, and we're losing all those sales. So the, the, the merchants and the people begin to rise up against the Christians, to the point where a riot broke out during that time. Now, the book of Ephesians, also known as an epistle or a letter, is a letter to the church of Ephesus. Now, the book is divided into two parts. The first part is who we are in Christ. Paul wants the church to know who you are in Christ. The second part of the book has to do with who, what we can do through Christ. So as you read the book of Ephesians, even at home, I encourage you, as we go through this book, that you would go back and read the chapters and, and discover that for yourself. Now, in chapter 1, as we begin to read chapter 1 this morning, there are key phrases in this chapter that we want to examine. The first uh, phrase of words is, in him. And the second phrase is his will. And that's very important to understand this morning, those phrases, because they are uh, very important to understand what this chapter wants to tell us this morning. Now, let me tell you this morning that you can do so many things for yourself. You can do so much good for your well-being. If you wanted to, you can take supplements for your health. You can exercise, you can go out and find a good job, and you can be prosperous in all these things, but there's one thing that none of us can do in this place. We cannot obtain any form of acceptance, forgiveness, redemption outside of Christ. To, in the center core of all our being, outside of Christ, we're sinners, now, now, what does that mean? Now, you know, that the word sinner really has a bad, a bad taste in our mouth because, you know, the world, our culture, mocks the word, makes fun of it. Oh, you know, the, oh, I'm, I'm a sinner, right? Have you heard that? Oh, yeah, don't, don't, don't talk to me about God. I'm a sinner. But the word sin from that time in Paul's era had to do with the Olympic Games, in a certain game that they would play where they would have to shoot an arrow and they would have to make it through a round hoop. Now, the word sin in those days simply meant missing the mark. If you shot the arrow and it didn't hit the intended target, you missed the mark. Now, let's say that there's a group of people traveling from Fresno and they want to have a good time in Las Vegas. Let's say they want to go to the Hoover Dam. They never saw it before. They want to go there. And let's say that they're all traveling in this van, and then they, they take a wrong turn, and all of a sudden they end up in, the, in Death Valley. 
And let's say they're irresponsible and they run out of gas and they all realize, man, we're, we're going to die if we just stay here. And let's say that in that group of people, you have some people like me that rarely exercise. Maybe some other people that exercise once in a while. And let's say you have some people that are really, I mean, they're, they're, they're in track. They're dedicated. They're focused. They, they have, you know, such a great, you know, uh, uh, physical ability. And let's say the, you know, the first couple of guys, man, they're, man, they're like, if we can only make it to the city, the nearest city, we'll, we'll be safe. We can, we'll, you know, we won't die. And let's say the first couple of people, you know, try their best. But halfway, they, they collapse, dehydrated. They're gone. Let's say that there's some that are even, you know, just more in phys- top physical condition. And they, and they make it twice as far, but they still, you know, have missed the city. And let's say the very best, the strongest, the fittest, the ones that know how to cut cactus and, and drink the water and the ones that are, can, can eat the, the, you know, the whatever is on the ground and survive. You know, let's say those, man, they make it farther than everybody else and they can see the city light, but yet they still don't make it. That's how, that's how we are as people. See, I can be good and someone can be way better than me, but in the eyes of God, we're all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. We all, you know, it doesn't matter how far you make it without God, you still don't have God in your life. And so that's very important to understand this as we read these key phrases this morning. The the, the Bible says in John 15 verse 5, it says, I am the vine. Jesus is saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. And, and we find this to be true. That, you know, we can have so many things in our lives, but we're missing that key thing, that key person which is Jesus Christ. And without that, we have nothing. It means nothing. We can, we can be satisfied with the next thing in our lives, but at the end of it, we still come up short. We come up empty. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, we're going to read this through. And we're going to talk about key things in, this, in these scriptures. It says, Blessed be God And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Sounds wonderful. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Does that mean that he blessed us with just one thing? No, everything. Everything God has to offer, he has given to us. Now, it says, even as he chose us in him, right? We talked about that key phrase, in him. Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Okay, so I want, you, I want to uh, quickly just tell you that, you know, the, Paul the Apostle, he's saying, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now I'm going to talk about those spiritual blessings. And that's what we're going into right now. 
So, again, from verse 4, it says, I cho- chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He has lavished upon us all wisdom and all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth verse 11 in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That's a mouthful. There's so much. So what I did is as I was reading that, I broke it down into six key things. Six spiritual blessings that we have from the heavenly places. The first is we are chosen by God Before the foundations of the world. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Now, I know sometimes we make mistakes. And I know sometimes we'll come, maybe maybe we won't come to God, but maybe in our mind we think, man, I really messed up. And I don't know if I can pray because I feel really guilty. And, man, I I know this is really going to shock God. I know this is really, man, it's, you know, we have this mentality like God is going to be so upset with us, furious. But the reality is, is that he chose you before the foundations of the world. One of the attributes of God is that nothing surprises him. Why? Because he knows all things. The word predestined means that before the beginning of time, you were already on his mind. He already had a full plan for your life, and he already had salvation set apart for you. Now, what does that mean? That means that God knows what he's in for. That means that if my wife on our wedding day knew everything that she was in for, maybe she would think twice. But God knew everything he was in for when he gave his son for you. He knew 
everything that you would do, every mistake, every time that you would doubt, every time that you would leave and come back, every time that you would struggle with sin, every time that you thought, man, I'm, I'm just a hopeless mess, every time he knew it, and even though he knew it, he still gave his son for you. He chose you before the foundations of the world. Amen. The second spiritual blessing. So the first spiritual blessing is that we're chosen by God. The second spiritual blessing is that we are blameless before God because of Jesus Christ. Blameless. Blameless. What does that mean? That means that because Jesus' blood was shed for your sins, you can stand before God's throne. We read that in Hebrews, that we can come before God's throne boldly. With confidence, Jesus, here I am. And when God sees you, he sees a blameless person because Jesus is inside of you, because Jesus lives in your heart. He doesn't see the sin. He doesn't see the mistakes. He doesn't see what you did, you know, three, five, ten years ago, yesterday, last month. He doesn't see any of that. He sees a blameless person standing before his throne. And because he sees a blameless person, you're able to come before him in full confidence. Blameless. The third spiritual blessing is that we are adopted into God's family and seen as equal. Now, God has a plan, had a plan all along from the beginning of the world. And it would seem exclusive in the Old Testament. God's people is Israel, and that's his people. And, you know, God is here to save Israel, his chosen people. But his plan was revealed in Ephesians and brought out. So Paul understood something, that his plan, God's plan all along, was to bring salvation to everyone through his son. We are adopted into God's family. And when I mean adoption, the Bible says that those who have, who have died with Christ will be risen with Christ. That means that when you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you died to that old self. You crucified that old man to the cross. And because of that, when Jesus arose, your spirit arose as well. You have been adopted and accepted into God's family. You are now heirs partakers of all the good things that you, because Jesus Christ is the king of kings, you get to enjoy all the blessings that he has. You've been adopted into God's family. The fourth is that we've been accepted by God through Jesus Christ. Just as I said before, you've, you've been accepted into God's family. You have a place. Your name is written in the book of life. The fifth spiritual blessing is that you've been forgiven by means of the blood that was shed on the cross. You've been forgiven. As simple as that may sound, the impact is your eternity. You've been forgiven. You can walk in this life knowing that your sins have been forgiven. You can walk in a assurance. Now, the last one I want to focus on 
is that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, which is the last spiritual blessing. It's, it's like this. God, when he saved you, he gave a down payment. And that down payment is the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is when he saved you, he placed in a, a seal. The Bible says in, in, in our scripture here, it says you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. That means that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he, gave, he put a seal upon your life. He said, this, this person is mine, set apart. The Holy Spirit's going to abide in him or her, guide her, guide him, lead that person. And that is my assurance that that person is mine till I return. You're safe. You've been sealed. Now, I want to talk about the key words. Back to the key words. And that is that in him and his will. Sometimes, guys, I'll be honest, I walk around with this weight over my shoulders. Like, I'm not doing things right. I could be a better person, God. I could be, you know, doing, you know, I, I'm falling so short. And then when I read the, the scripture, it tells me that it's his will that has me here. It doesn't matter how weak you or I are. His will is keeping us here. His will, his purpose, his plan, it's nothing that you did. It's, it's nothing that you can do. It's nothing that you can achieve. It's his will, his purpose, his plan. You could be the best in the world. You could be the most, you know, uh, uh, we Christian, it doesn't matter. It's his will that has you. The problem with all these spiritual blessings is that we walk around thinking the exact opposite. I'm rejected. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. I'm a hopeless case. Why is it that we do this to ourselves? Because, see, the devil knows your worth many times more than we do. Because, see, the more time you spend in prayer, the more time you spend reading your Bible, the more time you spend in worship, you, you build a connection with God. And you're able to understand and accept the word. Many times we read the word and we read it from a distance. But when we, have, when we begin to develop that relationship, the word of God begins to just come into our lives and we begin to accept it. I don't know about you, but in, in, in the early parts of my marriage, my wife would say something like, you know, you're a handsome guy. And I have a hard time accepting that. You know, because I grew up different. I grew up, you know, not having certain things in my life, a father, uh, uh, the, the love of a father, and, and whatever it is, the rejection that I had in life, you know, didn't, I couldn't accept 
compliments. Because I had this thing about me. Many times we can't accept the good things that God has for us because of how we grew up. Because of, of this mentality that we have. Many of us are suffering this morning from spiritual identity theft. Now, what is identity theft in, our, in, in today's world? Well, many times it's people who prey on the elderly. People who prey on the, on, on the weak. They find a weakness and, and, and through that they will enter and, and, you know, make purchases, do the most damage. And see, the enemy does the same thing. He looks for a weakness in your life. He looks for something that, you know, you, you deal with. And, and through that, he will enter and find his way into your, the thoughts of your mind. Begin to, you know, hijack your mind. Begin to tell you you're worthless. You're nothing. You're nobody. You're, you're, you're a lost case. Trying to, to commit fraud. Committing identity theft. But what we need to do this morning as Christians is we need to reclaim the spiritual blessings that God the Father has for us. How do we do that, guys? What, is, what does prayer look like day to day? It looks like someone who just gets on their knees, finds time to say, Lord, move in my life. Lord, I don't know how to pray, but, you know, uh, do something in me. Give me a, give me a spark. Give me a, a desire to speak to you. Begin to read your Bible. Find a translation that you can relate with and begin to read it and meditate. You don't have to read a chapter, maybe a couple of verses here and there, but begin to read your word. Begin to pray. Begin to worship. I don't know how to worship, but close your door and just lift up your hands and begin to thank God. And as you begin to do these things in your life and break the mold, as you begin to break the mold, you will begin to see a connection. And through that connection, you'll begin to reclaim your identity in Christ. This morning, we have spiritual blessings. They're ours to claim this morning. They're ours to reclaim for our lives. How do we do that? By coming back to Jesus, coming back to the foundation, coming back to those things that we've neglected, coming back to the heart of prayer, coming back to the heart of worship, coming back to the heart of meditating in his word. And there's no secret. Once we do that, we'll begin to connect with the Lord again. And we'll begin to see God reveal these things to us. Let's bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you, God, for all the spiritual blessings, Lord, that you have for our lives. I thank you, God, that you've given us so much to take hold of. Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for our lives, Lord. Matter of fact, God, before we were even born, you already knew us. And you gave your son. This morning, I would like to just 
uh, give everyone in this place an opportunity. If you're here this morning, you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ. I would like you to lift up your hand this morning. And I want to pray with you. I also want to speak to the church this morning. You know, church, it's time for us to reclaim that which the enemy has taken from us. This morning, I want to open up the altars. And I want us to come and, and just worship. Just come as you are and worship and pray. And let's, let's sing this song this morning. Reckless love, amen.